You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, the Islanders uh, finally won their first game. Was not a smooth one. Uh, and there's a lot to be concerned about after three games. But I feel like if we had done this podcast either Sunday night or Monday uh, we would be in a much different mood than we are in now. <laughs> that getting that one win off our backs uh, really, really is very helpful. But uh, <laughs> I think once we start to break it down, we'll get the anxiety ramped back up again pretty quickly. Yeah, I was that same thought crossed my mind, and it even crossed my mind. I was like, "Thank God we don't do we're not doing the podcast during the first period yesterday right. too." <laughs> you know, it's just there. Um, yeah, there was a definitely a lot to uh, be anxious about, and uh, the the cruel the cruel part of uh, what happened was the fact that there were two days uh, between mm. the loss on Saturday and the win on Tuesday, uh, which really kind of screwed with my head a little bit because if you think back to last season and the playoffs and I guess even the bubble, it was basically you were playing either every other day or three and four, and there was very rarely a break in the schedule for even two days like there mm. was um, on Sunday and Monday. So that was really tough to deal with. Uh, and the worst part about it is that I, you know, I was looking for some self, some pity or some, <laughs> some, something from, from other fan bases. And I couldn't get it because everyone was like, Oh, they'll be fine. It's been, it's just two games. And yeah. I was like, no, you have no idea. It's oh, season's over. It's this is a disaster. <laughs> I should, we should have all known this was going to happen. Uh, and all my friends, either if they're Ranger fans, I have some friends who are 
uh, Canadians fans and just other fan bases. They are all like, you just are pissing us off. We got, we got bigger fish to fry than an 0-2 start for a Stanley <laughs> cup contender. Uh, and yeah. you're over there, you know, woe is me about a loss to two very good teams. So yeah. I was like, well, you didn't need to watch the game. You didn't see how slow the the defense looked and how, you know, <laughs> is, Soro- is Sorokin okay? I don't know. And uh, still no, still no uh, self, some, no pity. So the pity party was was just me, you, and the rest of the Islander fans kind of in our own little little <laughs> bubble, I guess. One thing I've I've come to learn so far in this first week of the NHL season, I don't know if we'll get to talk about this later, but it did cross my mind and it's probably something we should address either in this episode or in a later episode, but like it it's occurred to me that the Islanders have become respected, which is what we had hoped for, but they're not exactly liked amongst other people. Like, you know, it's one thing to like pick them to be a Stanley cup contender or perhaps, you know, go far in the playoffs or something like that. But it's, it's different than being like liked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like the Devils all of a sudden are everybody's favorite team. Like everybody loves the Devils. They got Jack Hughes. They're fun. They, you know, he he smiles and he's got his brother there. And like, so all of a sudden the Devils are liked. And it's like, I remember when the Devils were winning Stanley Cups and nobody could stand these guys, you know, and I respected them and I enjoyed watching them in the playoffs because the Islanders, of course, never made the playoffs. But like, it seemed like they were more respected than liked. And the Islanders have kind of like occupied that space now where they're People are picking them to go far, and and like you said, like nobody sweats an zero and two start for that team because you know they'll be fine. Why not? They're a Barry Trotz team. They got talent. They're expected to win the cup or be at least challenge the cup. Who cares about zero and two start? But it's not like people were kind of rooting for them to pull themselves out of this funk. You know. It's, meanwhile, with the Sabers, it's like, oh man, they're three and zero. That's awesome. Like that's great. You know. And it's like it is really. Weren't we just like dogging this team for years and years because they just you know. Wouldn't let Jack Eichel get his surgery. I don't know. It's just <laughs> yeah. funny to me. Yeah, that that was actually the thought I had when uh, the Islanders that review happened last night, uh, mm. which we'll get to later. Yeah. Uh, but just the review, I was like, oh god, everyone's going to be like, oh, here are the Islanders being annoying. And again, like the, how this is the most unlikable team, uh, <laughs> and and the and it also you know with the the groundbreaking, culture defining, mm. progressive relaxed dress codes around the league of course you know <laughs> yeah, that's got something to do with it too yeah sure. it's changing gonna change everything and you know but before before uh you know this becomes a whole thing because i think it will when the islanders don't relax their dress code uh i think it's always important and i always think about this too and just in life is you when when stuff like this is a when you can tell something like this is going to bubble up or it's going to be an issue um just always know to have something you know in in the holster ready for it, which for me is yeah it's it's not when the islanders are the only team that still requires their players to wear suit and ties you can remind everybody who makes fun of Lou and calls him draconian and calls the 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 team you know old mm. too old school or whatever that the islanders just signed two defensemen who could go to the market and make nine million dollars elsewhere for three million dollars under what like their mark fair market value is and they chose to be here everybody on this court didn't leave they are choosing to stay here and be here in this draconian uh environment you know like it's like they're locked in a castle in transylvania or something mm. by dracula or something and it's not the case these are players who really want to be here sedano chara who came here <laughs> zach Preezy came here and uh so it's 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 just get ready for that and that's all i'm trying to say and 
uh, that's what I would tell anybody who, who obviously rule cardinal rule is number one is when these people do pop up on Twitter about, about that stuff, never tweet, you know, that's always a cardinal rule. And, but if you do happen <laughs> to break the cardinal rule of don't ever tweet, it's, uh, that's what I would say to these people. Like, look, just look at the, the players who have chosen to stay here for, uh, good deals. Ryan Pollock could have got eight or $9 million compared to, uh, when you look around the defense market and he stayed here on this team, which is not going to relax its dress code. Mm. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh Oh no, that's definitely coming. Um, the, the athletic, we'll talk a lot about the athletic in a little bit. They have a uh, style reporter. Well, somebody on the style beat now <laughs> uh, because of these relaxed dress codes. And uh, let's just say I wouldn't expect to see any Islanders on that those uh, write-ups anytime soon, but we're getting way too far ahead of ourselves. Let's start with the actual game. So uh, the season started uh, in Carolina, in Raleigh last week. Uh, It was a 6-3 loss for the Islanders. Probably the all-time worst place for the Islanders to start a season would have been Carolina. I told a friend of mine that he was like, what'd you think of the game? I'm like, they couldn't have started in a worse possible place than Carolina. A good team, a place that's never been, uh, you know, really an easy ride for the Islanders at all. Um, the 6-3 is a, maybe a little bit misleading because one of them was an empty net, but the Islanders didn't play well in that game. They started with the first goal of the game. Barzell got it after a review. It was kind of a weird thing. Andrei Sveshnikov scored a couple minutes later. Um, they were noticeably slower and more passive than, than the Hurricanes were. The Hurricanes are generally a pretty aggressive, fast team anyway, but the Islanders were really slow and really passive. Um, Brock Nelson scored. Jordan Martinuk scored. Nita Ryder went literally around Chara to score a, a goal, and that was pretty much where the wheels came off. Um, you know, Sorokin didn't play all that well. Uh, Anders Lee did score an Anders Lee-type goal, which was pretty nice. Uh, but then in the third period, the Islanders just didn't have a chance. Teravainen scores in the power play. Svechikov hits the empty netter. Uh, Barzell took kind of an ill-advised penalty at the end. Um, you know, the forwards were okay. Lee, Barzell, Palmieri was pretty good. Uh, Sorokin, though, not really his best game. Not terrible, but not really great either. Um, but Green, Chara in particular were very, very slow. They spent a lot of time in their own zone. Um, they went 0 for 3 on the power play, which isn't something new for the Islanders. Uh, so it was not a great start. Uh what did you think after watching that one? Um, you know, was it, it, it was not good, but uh, I thought there were some things that were okay. Um, but generally speaking, it was not the best start for the Islanders in a, a season in which they're expected to do big things. Yeah, it was the ultimate um, game where you you had to wait to see. Unfortunately, had to wait for the next game to come to see right. if, if if how bad it was. Like because there were some good things, there were some good signs that the first line was buzzing. Uh, I thought that the third line was in its first game together uh, looked like it was, it made sense because uh, it took a little bit for Wallstrom to get going in this three game stint and mm. boy, did he, but uh, <laughs> you could tell like, Oh wow, this, this, this is going to work as, as a, as a trio, right? Like, Pajot is a super like hyper smart hockey player knows exactly where to be, when to pressure, when to go back and, and cover for maybe a pinching defenseman or if a forward's out of place. Uh, Parisi, one thing I guess I didn't give him enough credit for as a forward um, before coming to the Islanders or I never noticed about his game was just how much uh, gravity he has. He he takes defensemen with him all over the ice because <laughs> he skates real hard, real fast after pucks. He digs them out. Wherever the puck is, he's around it. Uh, and what that does is it creates a lot of open space in the if, if they're on the forecheck 
Uh, and who better to occupy that open space than the guy with the best shot on the team, Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, so you started to see signs of that uh, in that first game. I thought Sorokin had such a weird first two games because he he was making a lot of really tough saves. Hmm. Uh, but he was just not dealing with uh, whether it be rebound control. He wasn't dealing with like the the secondary part of goaltending, battling through traffic and 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 rebound control. Uh, but uh, I wasn't too too worried about it coming out of that Carolina game. <laughs> and same goes with Char and Green. I was like, you know, it's game one. Zidane Char is such a unicorn. He's not only is it going to take time for him to get used to playing the Islanders style of hockey, but it's also going to take a lot of time for the Islanders to get used to playing with a six foot nine defenseman who's got a wingspan <laughs> like a condor. Like it's right. it's going to take a little bit of time for uh, the rest of the team to kind of just figure that head out. Like what what having that skill set as a teammate does, uh, especially in the defensive zone, and uh, it definitely did. Uh, but uh, yeah, him and Green. I think coming out of that game, I went into the Florida game thinking, all right, I want to see, you know, a little bit steadier performance from Sorokin. I'd like to see Green and Chara not be as concerning as they were. Uh, and that was really it. Like, oh, and, and like the fourth line was completely invisible in the first game, I right. thought. But that was real time. Matt Martin wasn't it, there. Yeah. yeah, it's just such a cliche, but it is so tr- yeah. It's It really warms my heart that when, when for years now, people would make fun of the Islanders, you know, four or five years ago about giving Martin Sezikis and Clutterbuck these deals or, and then they're like, well, someone would say, well, they don't work without, they don't work without each other. And then they get poo pooed by whoever, like, come on, they're hockey players. Like, you know, they're, they're fourth liners. You can put anyone on that line, but it's so otherworldly that these three just are so much better with each other uh, that you see just the game you saw in the first game with, uh, with that fourth line just being completely with Russ with Russ Johnson, who you think would be like a sort of like a like for like switch with sure. Matt Martin, but he's not. He's just <laughs> not. He's not. He's not as good. I think Ross actually might have more offensive upside than 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 Matt Martin when the puck is actually on a stick. But he just is not as good a four checker. He's just not. Uh, he he doesn't. He just doesn't have the presence uh, in, under the the circle uh, under mm-hmm. the face off dots that Martin does. Uh, and then with Leo, who who I thought was all right in the next game, it was the same thing though. That fourth line just didn't get going yet. Um, so I was looking for that, and and yeah, and then the, the that second game, like all the things that I was hoping that even if they lost, it was like if if these uh, problems kind of progress, uh, these problem areas get better, I'll feel a little bit better. But they didn't. They all ended up getting worse. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing with both Johnston and Leo. A, they're they're obviously very different players, and neither of them is Matt Martin. But like, they just don't have that sort of mind reading capability that Martin has to know like where Clutterbuck and Sezikas are going to be. And I think the three of them have these tells that they may or may not subconsciously know from each other, where they just know, like they just know where each other's going to be. It's like the way you know you know what room somebody's in when you're in the house together, when you're all living together, because you can just sense them there, you know. And I think that that's the thing that they don't have. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this. We'll get to the Chicago game, obviously, in a few minutes. But, like, I was thinking that it is going to get to a point where, like, these guys aren't going to play together. And, like, unless they all retire in the same year, something is going to get weird. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to get to a point where, I mean, Martin has three more years. So two more years. This one and then two more. Clutterbuck is a UFA at the end of this year. But, you know, he's going to resign. I mean, who knows? He'll probably get something. And then Sezikis is here for six more years. Five, yeah, six years. Right? So, like, yeah. at some point. They're either going to retire at the end of, you know, 
Martin or whoever's contract, or they're going to have to bring somebody in and learn how he, he plays too. So it's, it is kind of an interesting dynamic <laughs> that we'll have to see play out eventually. But yeah, um, you know, the game in Florida was a little bit better. Uh, the Islanders had a, a pretty good first period. They started out with a lot of pressure. The Panthers put on a lot of pressure. It is important. And we'll talk, you know, at the end of this one, like playing the Hurricanes and Panthers right off the bat was very, very difficult. Like these are two really, really good teams. In fact, two teams that, you know, if the Islanders are picked to win the division or the Islanders are picked to go to the Stanley Cup final, guess what? These two teams are also in that mix. The Hurricanes were picked to win the division by a lot of people. And the Panthers are, you know, a, sort of a dark horse pick to go to the Cup final too. Um, Sam Bennett scored. You know, in the first period, the period ended about even. Uh, Bennett scored again in the second on a wraparound. Again, you know, Sorokin maybe didn't look quite as comfortable. Um, looked like Ryan Pulick got the Islanders on the board, but the goal was taken off the board from interference. Uh, whatever. Um, you know, again, they played pretty well. They had a good power play. Um, but Anthony Duclair scored late in the period after like a long kind of home run pass. And that was pretty much the end of the game. Um, you know, Oliver Walsham scored early in the third on a power play. It's a really nice goal. Um, but then Bennett completed the hat trick. Uh, right over Sorokin's glove was not good. And then Barkov again, much like Niederreiter <laughs> two nights before, went around Chara to score a goal. Uh, and that was about it. They were, again, very passive. A little bit better, but still not that aggressive. They allowed a lot of breakouts very easily. Uh, they were very maybe too patient, is what I wrote in my notes here. Um, so, kind of better around the edges, but still not good enough. And against a good team like the Panthers, you're going to lose. They end up losing five one. You know, maybe they played a little bit better than that score, but they earned it. <laughs> and the, yeah. the and the Duclair goal really that was the backbreaker. Like that was just you know, uh, and it foreshadows what we'll talk about in a second with Chicago. But um. Yeah, it, you know, it's tough. It's tough when your team is losing good games to good teams that are you could potentially play in the playoffs uh, right off the bat. <laughs> Again, not a great way to start a season, you know, of big things. They, they were both uncharacteristic too, which I think yes. is why a lot of Islander fans were rolling into the panic room. Like they were, mm. they weren't, if, if the Islanders had lost a couple, uh, you know, were unlucky. And, and I think they, they were a little bit against the Panthers not to be up. Uh, a goal or two early, like Sergei Bobrovsky was really good, like really yes. good in that first period, which, uh, you know, if he's, he's the guy that is been, he's been much maligned since signing in Florida. So I thought the Islanders had a pretty good chance to win that game. If, if he was off, if he was off uh, form and he wasn't, and he, <laughs> he, he kind of did what to, to us, what Sorokin did uh, to the, to the Blackhawks on Tuesday night, which was you, you just need your goalie to, in a game like that, just to weather a storm, keep you in it. And uh, as Barry Trotz loves to say, uh, when they get to their game or they find their game, uh, it, if, if it's one, if it's a one goal deficit, like the Islanders will be happy to be in those spots with 40 minutes ago mm. um, by the time they find their game. And uh, they just never really did against the, <laughs> the Panthers. Like they, they had it going and it was the Panthers who ended up finding their game, like in a, in a, flip uh script flipper and uh it was it was frustrating the uh but once again like there were still some positives out of it like you said like i think in that game the uh the third line again looked pretty good wallstrom scoring was great and 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 trots really i was worried that wallstrom was about to be uh sat on the uh <laughs> the pine pony because he was really not off to the races at all on in the opener but he was probably their best forward 
I would think, uh, you know, going back a little bit now, it's it's uh, it already feels like that game was two weeks ago. But <laughs> I think he probably was the best forward in that game for them. Um, Pajot was, I think, I remember Pajot yeah. being that, that line just being effective. And so, like, it was almost like that game. I was like, all right, I'm taking the same positives from it, but I'm also taking the same negatives, which you said, like Chara and, and Green looked a little uh, sleepy, like like. And I think, like I was saying earlier, like if if the Islanders are able to adapt to Zidane Ochara, and he's able to adapt, which which is not a guarantee at all, uh, and and through the first three games, you'd say it's it's pretty far from it. Um, I think he's he's actually going to be a pretty big weapon for this for this team because he is uh, in, he's always been a great penalty killer, obviously, and he's with his just his his immense size and ability to to win battles and get the puck to safety. Uh, not 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 too dissimilar from what Green is good at, actually, which is mm. which is maybe part of the problem, right? Like they they both are both uh, not quick. Um, they're both past their salad days for sure. And <laughs> but they're both if you you wouldn't bet against them if there's a a puck that's right in front of a goalie who's on the ground and you need that puck to be ushered to safety before like the third forward in who's crashing in to put it in the roof. Like you you would usually bet in Ch- on Chara and. Uh, green to win those battles and they did it in the first two games uh thought they both were better in uh, the win but uh i think it's just it's it's it that's what was keeping me up at night too is like they you know if if if, if the chara move didn't work the fact that they were carrying both those players was going to be a problem and and it's it's a fixable one like it's very much a fixable one but you you have to imagine with this coaching staff and the way that they they have a very long leash with with uh like a certain player as soon as uh as soon as you pass like a threshold of games apparently you're 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 exempt from mis- getting benched for making mistakes and <laughs> more pl- poor play and uh that's 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 what i was joking about with wallstrom when he uh you know when he was struggling in the first game i was like wondering i was like trots is probably just being like couldn't you have already p- played like 200 games so i can stop getting mad at you with that like <laughs> just be a veteran already but uh yeah. it's uh but they were i think the the point i'm making about char and green is like they are very fixable problems and i think the upside with char especially is is just worth having around so many people uh and and i totally understand like you know it's, it's sports you, you're gonna react to what you just saw like so many people are we're like, we got to get rid of him already. Like mm. he's just slow or whatever, which is, you know, two games in, it's a little tough, but he, you got to just understand that you have a, 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 a unique player, a player that nobody else has. Nobody has a six foot nine defenseman that, that plays as well as him. Like, yeah, you, you, the Canucks have Tyler Myers, but it's, he's not that good, but mm. uh, it's like, you, you, you gotta at least give it a shot. You got to give it a fair shake because if you do find the right, mix with him like it like i said it, it turns into a weapon for the team but uh florida the game against florida it sunk him a little bit uh i think it was he was on for four or five uh yeah. and green looked looked like i said looked bad and and, and you, you have two-thirds of your left side of the defense not up to speed it's not good uh and then yeah and that's like i was hoping for a steady game at sorokin but same yeah. same exact problem he was making some great saves but uh he was losing the uh the re- he was losing rebounds. He was getting beat on, uh, you know, the, like that wraparound and some the like high NH- glove. Yeah, with the high glove. <laughs> yeah, the high glove. Yeah, exactly. And and like he was losing the uh, kind of the scrambles in front of him. Um, mm. But so 
of course, then we have more than 24 hours, 48 hours to stew over that. It was what, like yeah. 73 hours basically to stew over that game. And luckily, uh, things got sorted a little bit in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, they, after all that, you know, again, a little bit of good, mostly bad. They go to Chicago and, and to, uh, Tuesday. Yeah. That, that, I don't know why. Did we ever figure out why that Saturday game was a six o'clock start? I don't know if they really ever explained it. That's kind of just a random <laughs> thing to do, uh, especially the second game of the season. But uh, anyway, uh, they roll into Chicago. It was the Blackhawks home opener, the Blackhawks now. So here the Islanders are two. the Blackhawks are and three. And if we thought the Islanders were playing poorly, the Blackhawks were getting destroyed. I mean, they got beat pretty hard in, in uh, Jersey. They uh, took it on the chin in, in Colorado. They got beat to hell by the Penguins and flurries, you know, one of his big return games. So they needed a win badly. It's their home opener. Um, they were honoring the late Tony Esposito. The Islanders had played pretty poorly to start. And then it's announced they come out for warmups and Kiefer Bellows is on the top line. And Anders Lee isn't there. And it's like, uh, what is happening? Turns out he was sick. Even Barry Trott said must have been something he ate. Whatever Chicago area restaurant that was, they should be shut down immediately. Get the mayor, the governor, the National Guard involved, whatever. Have this investigated. <laughs> the Islanders captain we're talking about here. We can't we can't have these t- types of things. And, you know, if it was Nathan McKinnon, that something would have happened. But because it's Anders Lee, nothing <laughs> happens. But in any event, if it was Sidney Crosby that got sick for a game against the Blackhawks, you damn well know they would have shut down every restaurant in the city. But, you know, Anders Lee doesn't get that that luxury. But in any event, um, so the game starts and the Islanders are absolutely flat out terrible. They're, they are passive. They stink. They can't get the puck back. These are the Blackhawks here. Yes, they have some good players. Jonathan Taves now is back. They got Seth Jones back there now. They cannot get a shot on net. They, uh, they was, I think shots were like 12-3 at one point. They ended up being 18-8, to which almost sounds better than it was, but it was hard to watch. It was bad. The one guy on the ice who was really, really good was Ilya Sorokin, who came to play. He was on top of things. He was making crazy saves. Uh, he was all over it. He was the only reason that that game was tied at zeros after the first period. Um, they came out for the second and Anthony Bovier scores early. Uh, he got the unassisted goal, but really uh, uh, Oliver Wallstrom did a lot of the work behind the net. He was just keeping it from Eric Gustafson. You may remember him from Islanders training camp a couple of weeks ago uh, and basically did a lot of the work. And then Bo was there to, to hammer it home on the side. Um, and from the middle of the period on, the tide started to kind of shift and it started to even out a little bit. Um, the Islanders were spending a little bit less time in their zone, a little bit more time in the Blackhawks zone. Just before the end of the period, uh, Alex DeBrinkett gets a breakaway, obviously one of the more dangerous guys on the Blackhawks, and Sorokin stones him again. And it was it was a beautiful sight to see. I actually closed my eyes and looked at the sky like, oh, here we go. But <laughs> That save was huge. And Barry Trotz even alluded to it later on that that was the game changer right there. Third period, the wheels came off, not for the Islanders, for the Blackhawks. <laughs> Started by killing off a penalty. Walsham scored in a turnover from the slot. Flurry would be out of position. Uh, and Walsham would score again a few minutes later. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck uh, took advantage of uh, Riley Stillman falling down at center ice. Wires one over uh, Flurry's glove. It was gorgeous. It was fantastic. Um, a couple of Blackhawks had some chances, but you know, by the time Clutterbuck scores that goal, I mean the Islanders are back to Islander mode now. They're they're not letting up, up too much off the mat, 
Mackenzie Endwhistle, uh, Island uh, Bra- Bra- Blackhawks rookie. Don't know if he's related to uh, who bases John Entwhistle. Uh, scored with about thirty seconds to go. It was challenged for offsides. They let the goal stand. Barry Trotz basically said they wanted Sorokin to get the shutout because he earned it. He made thirty nine saves. Some of them were absolutely spectacular. He made was in the splits. He was flashing the glove. All those cliches, and he was fantastic. And the Islanders eventually did end up finding their game late. Um, the goals helped. They were, you know, aggressive. The line of Pajot, Parisi, and Wallstrom was by far the Islanders' best of the night. The first line with Bellows didn't really do much. You know, uh, Palmieri was kind of active. Barzell was doing his thing, but Barzell had a lot of turnovers. It was not a great, great game for him. Um, but they did start to look a little bit more like the Islanders. And so they walked out with a 4-1 win, the Blackhawks in our own four. Uh, you know, maybe not the most encouraging overall game that they've played, but to get the win, to get those saves from Sorokin, to get those goals from Wallstrom does leave you with a sense of hope. And that's where we are today, where again, if we had done this, you know, a couple of days ago, we would not have that sense of hope, but uh, you know, there are signs here. Oh, and more importantly, to get back to what you were saying, the D pairs were uh, juggled at one point. Pellick was ended up playing with Chara green and Dobson were back together. Uh, Mayfield and Pollock were playing together for a little while. I think Char and Pollock may have played together for a little while. And Trot said also later that you know they might stick with those. So, so maybe judging juggling up the D pairs would be helpful. Eventually, everything will click. But certainly, more things clicked in that Blackhawks game after the first you know half of the game or so than had clicked in either of the first two games combined. Uh, so you know, seeing Wall uh, Wallstrom score those two goals was really really cool. I mean, he looked very excited. And he now leads the team in goals. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty impressive. Uh, and that's only three games, but hey, good for you, man. Yeah, like, what, what do you have? Eight shots? Yes, eight shots. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, that was, I mean, that was about as dominant a game from a non-Matt Barzell forward that we've seen in. For sure. Probably since Matt Barzell came to the team, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sorokin, uh, you know, he's such a likable player. Just from top to bottom the, from the, the the saga to get him here to the way he played and just his his very Nabokovian kind of <laughs> sense of humor uh is, is everybody's obviously rooting for him because he's an islander but even more so he just seems to really be uh just a great kind of athlete to root for uh right. and so it was really just awesome to see him put on a show mm. i think no, knowing that they won looking back on it uh, I think it was a good thing that the, they kind of came out flat and he had to steal it, uh, steal that first period, just just in terms of like his confidence and the team's confidence in him, knowing that, okay, he's right. Like, Ilya Sorokins has checked into the 2021-2022 season. <laughs> now it's time for the rest of the team too. And they did. They slowly but surely got there. And um, I think, yeah, you, you everyone was fo- so focused on Sorokin and it was fair. Um, the, the save on Debrinkit was great. He made a couple of really encouraging saves where the puck was, he made a save and, you know, there was a scramble in front and he, he was able to, to snuff out those scrambles. And then, uh, but he, yes, he was great. But the third line again, and this is what I was getting to, like you could see the signs of it. And then the second game still, and then, then this game with Wallstrom in basically beast mode, that third line was awesome. Uh, and it just, you, I was joking that I'd kind of, I want them to like show up to a, a first birthday party. It's like, he would hire like a petting zoo or something and just be like, <laughs> you know, gather all the kids around and, and throw like a, a puck to a corner and be like, you know, have Zach Priestley go get it. 
get it to Peugeot and Peugeot to no look pass to Wallstrom and just keep repeating that. I, I wanted to keep watching. I wish they were playing in front of me right now. They were, that was such a joy to watch every time they're on the ice because hmm. they all do such, uh, you know, if they do things. It's very, very rare to get like a line that fits together just like that right off the bat. And what did we say? Um, all, all off season long about Parisi and even going back to last year when they were, were calling up, they were kind of easing Wallstrom into the lineup. Uh, when they got Palmieri, what do you do with a new player? You put him with JG Pajot because he can play, he can adapt his game to anybody. I mean, he took a shift when Casey Zizekas lost his skate blade <laughs> with the fourth line. And that was the first time I was like, oh, wow, that, you, it makes sense that Pajot would be the one to just be able to morph into Casey Zizekas. He is the, he's a hockey chameleon. He can basically play any, any role and he plays it well. Um, and I, I just was really encouraged by that line. And I think they were, so while the rest of the team was, Sorokin showed up, that line showed up and the rest of the team eventually caught up to him. And also, like you alluded to, like the, the blender, the line blenders, like it wasn't just the deep pairings, but because Bellows was, oh God, not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you, you just wonder, because uh, uh, everybody on the, the Islanders are known anytime they're brought up by uh the national mainstream hockey media that they, they talk about how everybody on this team is bought in to the f- team philosophy, to Barry Trotz and his coaching to Lou Lamarillo's kind of culture or whatever. But it's pretty clear that uh, Bello still has to figure out hmm. how, how he's supposed to do that. Uh, and he hasn't at all. I think he's, he, you can see it. Like the, the, there are a couple plays like at the blue line where you, you, if you weren't looking for him, probably wouldn't notice, but he, he just, would lose a battle in like a bad way. It wasn't like he got, he lost because he was going up against a big defenseman like Seth Jones or whatever. It was because he was trying to win it with just his stick. He wasn't mm. really engaged in these little battles. And all of a sudden you got a two on one going the other way uh, because of that. Cause the rest of the team is expecting him to at least slow down the transition. Cause mm. that's what they're all doing. Like they're all saying, all right, like, there's a puck along the the boards, you know, if JG Peugeot's there, if Anders Lee's there, whoever, they're going to do everything they can to, if, at the very least, they might not win the battle to slow it down. And, and Bellows doesn't do that. And you just got to wonder at some point, like it's either going to click or it's not. And it sucks as he was a first round pick. Uh, mm. But you, then you look at the guy in the minors, Michael Dal Cole, and you know, say what you want about Michael Dal Cole. He was, he certainly is a bust compared to where he was drafted. But he does that stuff. He he mm. will battle at the boards. He'll go dig pucks out, and he won't be a liability in that way. Uh, yeah. So, the two things about Bellows that I remember: one, he missed a defensive assignment. He went to go cover a guy that I think was already being covered, or probably the guy who shouldn't have been covered, and uh, that led to a scoring chance. And then the other time, he he actually ended up getting kind of like a breakaway chance, like he was kind of sent up the the middle of the ice. Uh, but his skating just isn't quite there. And so the Blackhawks guy was literally on him like cape, like he was just hanging off of him. And uh, it reminded me of, uh, you know, when you used to play like NHL 94 and like somebody like Mick Vakoda used to get a breakaway, you know, it was exciting because you're like, oh, he's he's by himself. But then you remember that he has like, you know, a speed rating of 22 and you're, you're kind of like, come on, come on, come on. And then, you know, the guy is right behind you and you end up not getting anything. And I was just like, yeah, that's that's not good. That's and and if you're the only, you're the, he's the only guy of the to twenty that show up, right? That's yeah. not doing, you know. Yeah, that's exactly. why it's that's why it's so you're like, oh man, like, and not only the only guy of the the people that are there, but Trotz and Lou are. I mean, this is 
basically a cult now, right? Like mm. we we all know too. Like we right. we show up to work at the same to do the same thing that they do. You yeah. know, if it, if Barry Trotz gave you an Islanders jersey and said, "Hey, Dan, you're you're playing on the fourth line left wing," yeah, you, you would be a disaster, but you would know exactly <laughs> what he wanted out of you in every right. situation. Yeah. But somehow um, this guy doesn't. The in fairness to Bellows, and, and again, he was not good. I'm not disagreeing with you. In fairness, he probably didn't know he was going to play that night until about three, two hours before the game. So, like, you know, yep. uh, he, he, they were expecting Lee, and Lee showed up, and he he was green. I think is what yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Trot said. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but 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 he, I would say Bellows, outside of Bellows, everything else in the uh, second and third period because of the way the Islanders were coached, like with the the line matching and uh, the switching of the defense pairing someone someone on that staff saw something it clicked yeah. it worked there was there was one um one part of the game it was, it was brock nelson gained the zone and uh he did a good job and the islanders were were ready to be set up um but one thing that i right before that oh, this all everything changed with the lines like he dumped the puck in and around and it would have been where uh i think it was i think it was green should have been and like that's that's the thing of the lack of mobility does like mm. that puck ends up going out of the zone, so like the, the, like yeah like it was no harm no foul because Green then got the puck and they restarted. But you know when when you have someone with a little bit more foot speed, uh, like even those things like Nick Letty, those are things we're gonna we probably took for granted with Letty for all his shortcomings was Brock Nelson dumps rims that puck around like Nick Letty's there to at least right. corral it or have it hop over a stick because he's not looking at it you know this is the one going the other way but but uh at least he's there and you know Char and Green just aren't quick enough for, for that stuff and uh that'll take some time for the other guys to adapt to and uh I think actually in a similar case like Barzell made a really nice play in the corner that ended up I think on that Bellows chance and you I th- he like took like half a second went to make that pass because I think he saw he's like I don't know if I want to pass it to this guy in the slot. Like I might try to maybe beat one or two other guys or keep it going. And uh, but but yeah, so so those those kind of things will will take some time, and you just hope that eventually it'll all work out. Uh, but it, it, they looked, they did really find find their game. And and one thing to you know take solace in is that uh, you, usually when they do kind of start clicking, uh, they click for a while. Yeah, you know we we've seen this over the years with Trots. Is like it just they just this they're such a form team. Uh, so it looks like they found it a little bit. Would like to see more from from Josh Bailey, who I think he started the season last year like this too. I remember. I, think yeah. I, I remember them playing like the Flyers early in the season and being like, "This might be the worst game I've ever seen Josh Bailey play." And then <laughs> the next game, he shows up and he's really good. So you just you, it just takes him a little while maybe to get going. But uh, yeah, I it it felt just really good to to watch them hug each other at the end of the game too. And yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, except yeah, let out a deep sigh of relief yeah. and exhale. Um, yeah, and actually, our, the Islanders' next game is actually in Columbus, the site of Josh Bailey's uh, only NHL hat trick, I believe. So uh, that should be a good one. Real quick on the Blackhawks before we take a break. So, you know, th- they draw a lot of attention. They, they. It's funny to me that like you know the Islanders have had success over the last couple of seasons. They've gotten to the point where people think that they could contend for a Stanley Cup. Meanwhile, the Blackhawks. Their last Stanley Cup was six years ago. <laughs> uh, they have not been particularly good in the last couple of seasons. And they basically just went out. They, they've they embroiled in all kinds of off-the-ice issues. Uh, meanwhile, they go out. They trade for a bunch of dudes. And then it's like, okay, we're a contender again. And it's like, are, are you? Are you really a contender? Is that 
really what we have here because I see a bunch of dudes that are pretty good. Some guys are older. Some guys are younger. Some guys have been good here. Some guys have been good elsewhere. I, I don't know. I feel like this team was incredibly overrated. Uh, I think, you know, eventually they'll probably find their way and and those guys will figure stuff out. But like, if you follow any Blackhawks fans, it's it's very clear who the problem is in this room. And it's not Seth Jones. And it's not Marc-Andre Fleury. It is the coach who you may remember, some of you may remember, Jeremy Colleton as the guy who almost kept getting called up from Bridgeport when he was an Islander. <laughs> like he would get up called, called up maybe once a year or, tw- or twice a year, but it was always like, oh, maybe they could call Colleton. And they would never call Colleton. There would be somebody else. <laughs> it's very strange. And so uh, I, my friends were like, hey, I, I hope that, you know, maybe this is the time that the, they'll file, finally fire the coach. And I'm like, the Islanders do have a history of you know, leading directly to coach firings by beating a team. So, you know, it's possible that that could happen. So uh, I just thought it was kind of funny that yeah, John, the- John Tortorella is probably just in Chicago right now, just yeah. waiting. Can you, I mean, that's, that's what that team's got to get sorted out. And can you yeah. imagine Seth Jones being like, Oh my oh God. God. Could you imagine Taves, like <laughs> Taves and Torts together? Like, I, I don't know. Uh, Claude Julian, by the way, also still out there, which I completely forgot about. So yeah. I said yeah. to my friends, you guys, they should hire, Jack Capuano. I don't know if he's a much better coach than Jeremy Colleton, but he's definitely a better, more of a character. And so at least you'd have some fun there. You know, with, I like yeah. the, the Colleton. He called a timeout after they went down for nothing. Yeah. And like, it was like, what, like eight minutes left of the game? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're doing this now? Like, what are you doing? This? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And you feel, I do feel bad for him because he, yeah. he, he's an Islander legend. He's, uh, <laughs> he's well, from- and he followed a actual legend in Joe Quenville. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Like, right. Like that's tough. So, yeah. Yeah. He's, and, it, but that team was – they were such a mess defensively even like in Quenville's like last hurrah because they yes. just – they every player on that defense was just a husk of himself. I think <laughs> Johnny Oduya was still taking shifts for them. And then, right. uh, yeah. you know, so, so – it, and it just, I guess, seemingly ran its course. and um, But, yeah, they, they, there's just teams that just the NHL, it's – it's they just need to right. not succeed but just to like give off the uh, – like a mirage that they are like like if if you if you didn't watch the nhl and then in march you as if we asked you like all right like just just from like watching commercials or hearing radio little radio snippets here or there highlight packages on sports center or whatever people watch these days like we're on nhl.com whatever who do you think is good they probably they probably name the right teams and be like are the blackhawks good because they seem to be on you know nbc or espn now all the time and uh, I see these highlights of like Patrick Kane and the, people are always talking about Patrick Kane. I'm like, no, they actually suck. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's just the weirdest marketing ploy. Yeah. There's, I mean, they've got a lot of guys that I think have a lot of fans in the sort of media circles too. And so, you know, again, I, I'm not saying that it's a lost cause. I mean, for all we know, they could fire Colleton tomorrow, hire Tortorella or Claude Julian or somebody else and, and go on a run and, you know, make it to the playoffs. I'm just saying that it's, Right now, this team is a bit of a mess, <laughs> and and it almost felt like they, you know, they put so much pressure on the Islanders in that game and came away with nothing after two periods. That once the Islanders started getting more pressure on their of their own and started scoring on their own, they just sort of folded and they just didn't quite know what to do at that point. So uh, to stop the bleeding, so uh, it's a very weird position to be in where you have more faith in your team than the Chicago Blackhawks. But again, twenty fifteen was a long time ago. <laughs> I didn't even realize that was their last cup. But uh, this morning I was like, wow, that was a long time ago. I watched it. The Lightning now have won two straight and the Blackhawks 
can't even make the playoffs. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the next three games and uh, a bunch of other stuff that, that's come up in the league the last couple of days. So uh, come back in a couple of minutes. All right, thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They have stuff with the Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, Las Vegas Thunder, Albany Choppers, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. You can use the code LIGHTHOUSE15 to save yourself 15%. They are open all year long, so go buy some cool stuff. They're adding new stuff every day, so check it out. It's VintageIceHockey.com. Okay, so those are the games the Islanders have played. It's a packed week for the Islanders. They had got three more games this week. Holy crap. Uh, including the one uh, Thursday night, probably the day you're listening to this, in Columbus. Um, you know, the, they started out with a win, I believe, and then they lost another game. Uh, another team kind of finding themselves. They traded Seth Jones to the to the Blackhawks. So uh, Patrick Laine seems engaged now. Probably has something to do with John Tortorella not being there anymore. Uh, but that's, you know, not a place that the Islanders have had a ton of success, but they have won games there. Again, Josh Bailey had that hat trick there. And then the weekend is going to be really interesting because they are in Glendale, Arizona on Saturday night, nine o'clock start against one of the two worst <laughs> teams in the league. Right now, the Sabres keep winning, so maybe they're not the worst team in the league. But right now, the the, the, the corpse, the husk, as you said before, of the, the Arizona Coyotes uh, is playing and they've got a bunch of old dudes. And that's not to say to take them lightly because the Islanders haven't won in Arizona in your lifetime and possibly not a very my life, my lifetime. So getting a win there would be kind of an enormous thing, no matter who's on that team or not. But then the next night they're in Vegas, uh, which is a tough one back to back. They do have a week off after that. Their next game, I believe is like the following Friday or Saturday. So they do have plenty of time off after that, but boy, that's a, that's a tough yeah. level back to back, man, Arizona and Vegas. Oh, geez. And you're coming from Columbus? Yeah, exactly. That's that's the weird part. It's like <laughs> right. they start they start like heading towards home, and then they're like psych, yeah, South, <laughs> Southwest, right? Yeah, so. I, I think uh, that that Arizona game. First of all, we'll have to pencil in a couple goals for Andrew Ladd. So oh, definitely. Now, definitely. The Islanders are already down. Uh, and and they, I, I, what, what do I remember about playing the Coyotes? Well, of course. Shane Doan scored his only hat trick ever in what yep. seven thousand NHL games against the Islanders. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if that was in Arizona or not, but that was that's definitely something I remember. And I remember um, that this was a positive. the The game where the Coyotes had a major, and they had someone serving it uh, that wasn't 
the 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 person who committed the penalty or something. Mm. And the Islanders had like an extended power play, which I'd never seen before because they caught that guy. That guy was in the the penalty box for longer than the penalty actually lasted, and they they had so they had this like power oh, play. That's right. Yeah. yeah I, I remember that. Yeah. I, it was a Capuano coach team. I don't right. remember what year it was, or I think uh, the Islanders ended up scoring on this quasi power play in a fourth dimension or whatever it was but um that's another thing i remember um but yeah it's uh so that'll that 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 game is definitely really scary uh because of what how it comes like you you have to get you need two points out of columbus and if you get one whatever but like if you don't get two out of columbus then you definitely need two in arizona uh because yeah, Vegas even they probably won't have they definitely won't have Max Petri ready. It looks like, and they probably yeah probably or Mark won't Stone have, have or Stone. Kelly Youngcroc. I think right is also yeah. Right. I think and like they're they're missing their their biggest asset is depth, and they don't have any depth right now because four or five forwards are hurt. So um, yeah, they got to but it's still gonna be tough. You, you, that's a really tough place to play yes. or whatever. And uh, so the. Uh, you're just hoping that this team and Trotz alluded to it too. I think before the Chicago game saying he didn't really care too much about the result, but just the way that they played. And I think that's still fair, especially this early in the season that uh, if the Islanders come back uh, near, you know, 500, they, I, I, cause I, yeah, like you said, there's a week off. First of all, like, I was really upset about the two days off and if they don't, <laughs> they don't do well in these next three games and you got to yeah. stew over it for a week. It's yeah. Their next game uh, after the 24th in Vegas is the 30th in Nashville. So they have a full week yeah. off. So Sunday to Saturday. And I think they're coming home maybe between two or something. I remember seeing. Yeah. So. And then they have five, yeah, five days off, four days off in between the game in Nashville and then a game in Montreal. So <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And yeah, so it's just, there's going to be a lot of downtime. To either stew about losses or be happy and encouraged about the way things are going, uh, you hope it's the latter. But yeah, it's uh, the, this Columbus game will be interesting because the goaltending, their goaltenders have been really good. Uh, mm. Corpusalo was really good against the Red Wings uh, last night, but Merzlikens has been really was I think won his first two starts or got at least one one to, got three out of four points and played really well. Um, and they seem to be kind of a little rejuvenated. Uh, under now that they don't have you know John Tortorella or whatever going on, mm. uh, so it's uh yeah I think you, you you get those two points tomorrow. The Islanders are a better team; they're going to be decent favored on the road. They were favored yesterday in Chicago, so there's no reason they won't be in Columbus. And you need to get those two points um, because for you know you can't, mm. one and three is not good. <laughs> so two and two is a lot better than one and three. Uh, don't really care how they get them, and um, it and it's also important to note that it looks like Simeon Varlamov is coming back for one of the games in the Southwest uh, too, and that I, 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 there were so many different things going on with with Sorokin. You think that like maybe he put too much pressure on himself without Varlamov, and maybe the fact that Varlamov was like skating and took like a full practice before Chicago calmed him down or something. <laughs> but um, it's just good to have him back in the fold and. Uh, see to see him actually play in a game will be really good, and uh, it'll feel like the season kind of is is really starting once once you see him kind of take the the crease because that's it that that's basically it. Like nobody else is uh, on the sidelines because Martin's back and Varlamov, uh, mm. and so yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most, I guess. I, I am predicting that Varlamov will start in Arizona. 
because he's been practicing. I think he gets another night off in you know Columbus. But then by the time they get to Arizona, I think he'll probably be ready. And also, I mean, let's be honest, there's a little bit less firepower on the Coyotes than they have in Vegas. <laughs> so I feel yep. like that makes the most sense. And again, you have all that time off. So, you know, if something goes awry, you can always be like, you know, here's what happened. Let's let's work on it and then figure it out. So I think that'll happen. Um, Yeah, these are three games. And, you know, you never want to take anything too too much for granted obviously you know we could talk shit about the coyotes all day but you know they're still gonna have dudes that can score and and they've we've seen them lose we've seen the islanders lose to every iteration of the coyotes possible in in glendale like we saw them lose to the good versions the bad versions the like you know shane doan and 30 guys off the street versions. so like we don't want to you know sugarcoat that and then vegas obviously is very hard and, and so is columbus but yeah i mean if if they can come back so if you've started with six games and if they could come back you know, three and three, better still, you know, four and two. I think, you know, we would all take that as being pretty successful. Three and three, I think would be, you know, you could sort of say, okay, that that's fine. That was probably the best possible option there. Uh, but, you know, four and two would be a heck of a lot better. Uh, it still is early and, you know, it's weird to look at the standings and you'd be like, oh, the Penguins have five points and the Islanders only have two. Oh no, I think they have six points and the Penguins have, and the Islanders have two. Uh, and so you can kind of drive yourself a little bit crazy, but it's, it's extremely early. The Islanders have two huge long breaks coming up where the other teams, you know, the Penguins could definitely play two games or three games in the time it takes the Islanders to play two, uh, from between Vegas and Nashville, uh, another, another town that they haven't really had a lot of luck in either. So, um, a lot can happen and we, we don't want to make too much of a big deal about these things. I don't want to tell people not to panic because it's always like, you know, people can panic about all kinds. I panic about stuff literally all day, every day. So I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. not like, you know, that's, I'm not going to tell you that, but it is early. That's all I really want. It's, it's important to like, just to, for, to read, not to panic from someone who's supposed to be detached from the team, like, uh, right. you know, report, but like, of course we were panicking. The team started 0-2. <laughs> like what could be right. worse? You know, what right. could be yeah, worse exactly. than with all these expectations? And uh, you just start thinking about how, that was the thing. One of the things I was really not looking forward to was the, after the Panthers loss was like whether on Sirius NHL radio or whatever, mm. just being like, uh, you know, maybe we were, we got ahead of ourselves with the Islanders or whatever. Mm. And, like yeah. luckily nobody seemed to really notice <laughs> that the, <laughs> the Islanders started going too, and just kind of gave them a pass. Like, mm. they, and I also, I kept reminding myself too, like uh, if, if this was three or four years ago and the Penguins started going too. And I saw that, and I'd be like, "Oh, the Penguins will be fine," you know. And right. That's that's how I was. I was like, "There's a million hockey fans out there who are looking at the standings, seeing the Islanders." I went to be, "Oh, the Islanders will be fine." There's nothing I see here, so uh, that's that's kind of how I would calm myself down. It didn't work though. I was bad. <laughs> well, between the Blackhawks being zero and three now, zero and four, and the Habs being zero and four, like there's a lot more oxygen being used on those two teams than on ours because yeah, the, the prevailing wisdom is that the Islanders will eventually straight. Yeah. Out, and wouldn't which you know, Habs, not so much. And wouldn't you know that the, somehow the Seattle Kraken aren't the second best team in the NHL, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're struggling too. I don't, I, I, God, it's just, that was something just to mm. see that, you know, that the way they started for, Oh man. Yeah. I guess maybe Jared McCann isn't the first line center that everyone thought he was going to be right. because he's never been a first line center in his life. So yeah, there, I mean, there's been some funny things that have happened. Like I don't even want to get into the Sabers, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm more interested. How many times did we see the Islanders start like yes, that's super exact, hot ex- and then fall apart? You know? The uh, I think the season when James Wisniewski was here, 
Uh, They started pretty well. They played the Rangers. I think they played pretty well in like a back-to-back against the Rangers. And someone in the New York Times wrote like about how the New York York rivalry was coming back. And as soon as that article Mm. was published, the Islanders went ahead and lost like 11 games in a row or something. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've, I was thinking similarly to what I was saying about like the Penguins analogy a couple minutes ago, I was saying the same thing about the Sabres. Like I remember when the Islanders would start season three, one and one, and, uh, everyone around the league was probably like, Oh, look at that. That's so adorable. Maybe like a couple extra people show up to their next game and get a couple Islander shirts before, uh, they have to lose, you know, the, for the rest of the season. And that's kind of how people are talking about the Sabres. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's the Sabres not, that's not. Is interesting. I think the Red Wings have been pretty interesting because uh, yes. that the way they blew that lead. I, I had a bet on this, them that night, so that was that sucked. But uh, and then all of a sudden <laughs> they started f- just like fighting everybody the yeah. past couple of games. Like Dylan Larkin <laughs> got suspended, and uh, last night against the Blue Jackets they were r- rabble rousing, and uh, so they they've been kind of funny. And, and this is you know to a point that I wanted to get to was that the NHL is on ESPN Plus, and I didn't realize until the day of the season starting that the ESPN plus is now NHL TV. Yes. Yeah. So, and nobody marketed it and everybody <laughs> like there's, if you're a lot of people I know who are big sports fan have ESPN plus already. And somehow the NHL didn't realize that it would be a good idea to be like, Hey everybody, we're you, you probably already have the service. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've seen stuff say that like they have X, X number of out of market games or whatever, but they never made it explicitly exactly, clear. Yeah, which like, is just all you need is, to do. Because right. think about how confusing streaming, trying to figure out a game, what what streaming service it's on now, right? Like, right. All you all they needed to do is like, hey, if you want to watch, if you want to watch NHL, just get ESPN Plus, or if you have it, it's there. Yeah. Because I didn't realize it. Now I'm, I'm being able to tune into these games all the time. Yeah. Um. I I got the bundle because we already had Disney Plus. Uh, we were using a family member's Hulu account. They were using our Netflix account. That's <laughs> kind of, kind of, a, you know, a little bit of a, uh, back scratching going on there. But, uh, I was like, you know, once ESPN gets this Islanders, you know, Islanders games are going to be on ESPN plus exclusively. They're going to have the full out of market stuff. I, I feel like we should just get the bundle. So we signed up for it. And, uh, I had not had the bundle since the Tavares thing. Once he left, I canceled my NHL TV. My I had um, Game Game Center Live, so I could watch on a computer and stuff like that. I canceled it. So this is the first time in four years that I've had again. And I have to get back into the habit of being like, I'm paying for these games. I need to watch these. <laughs> so I had the uh, the end of the Wild uh, Jets game on last night. Then I was watching um, uh, Oilers and Ducks. They were both pretty exciting games. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it, it's if you do the bundle, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, I think it's like fourteen dollars a month, and you get all three of those services, and you can watch, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, and it's pretty good. You could choose like what broadcast you want to watch. Um, I just want to before I forget, uh, just a little bit now. I just noticed. Um, I've been fo- if you are interested in following with the Kraken on their first uh, season, SB Nation does have a blog for them. It's called Davy Jones Locker Room. Which is like the coolest name. Like that's an awesome name. <laughs> that's that's great. You know, they should get Bill Nye from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean to show up and be like Davy Jones. But uh, you should follow them. You can follow them on Twitter. And I'm just I'm noticing now that they are just now noticing that Jordan Eberle is a bit of a slow starter in seasons. And I'm just sitting here laughing, like how cute this is that these guys just now realize that this guy, you know, sometimes he goes 10 games, you know, eight games without scoring a goal before the season. It's like, uh, yeah, ebbs won't show real up. The real ebbs (laughs) won't show up until like at least April. That's when you really want to get 
on the Everly train, but uh, it is kind of fun. Yeah, they, they didn't really go to below the surface with Everly when they were talking about, oh, this guy is their best goal scorer. And I just want to be like, yeah, he is. But there was some, let me give you the baggage, right? Like <laughs> you're going to see at least six opportunities where he's going to have a wide open net. And mm. two seconds later, he's just going to be looking up to the rafters because he rang it off the crossbar or something. And yeah. uh, it, it was kind of like the gut. I was waiting for the, for, you know, first of all, Ray Ferraro is great. I, yes. and, and I know we say this a lot, but um, I didn't, I, I mean, oh, sorry, Elvis is playing with his toy right next to me. That's all right. <laughs> but uh, I didn't really notice it until like, I, I mean, I didn't really, because it's, it's become like a, a hip thing to say, I guess, in, in the hockey Twitter is like, oh, Ferraro is the best. Uh, but he's awesome. Like he was really great to listen to last night, but I was waiting for them to talk about uh, the Gustafson thing that he literally was playing with all these guys a couple weeks ago in Islander colors and on a PTO. Uh, Cause he was all over the place. Uh, he wasn't good, I would say, <laughs> but, but, but he certainly was playing. Like, he was like engaged him and Matt Martin were like joking around and uh, they didn't, they didn't bring it up. Uh, I was a little mm. disappointed in that. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought the broadcast was okay. A lot of people I'm already seeing don't like um, Sean McDonough doing the play-by-play i think he's fine i don't know i'd, I'd rather yeah, have he's, he's not gonna he's like not um he's he's just like very down the line he's like a horse with blinders on yeah i did i did notice him call the the puck the ball at one time i guess he lapsed into like you know monday night football mode or whatever uh i'm just i'm over catchphrases like i'm just done with them <laughs> now and so it's nice to have a hockey broadcast without catchphrases and like the nbc crew it was literally three guys or four guys with different catchphrases and it's just enough already, you know, yep. I just, you know, I will make an exception if they bring in Darren Pang to two games to do the Holy Jumping. Holy Jumping is the best. I, I, was the watching, best I was watching blues coyotes actually the other night on ESPN uh, plus, just because I want to listen to Darren. It's so much fun to yes. hear him talk. It's like, he, it's, it's, it's like if you took all the good things that I like about Pierre Maguire, no, a lot of people don't and <laughs> made him likable, you know, cause he's like very, he's just so enthusiastic. He just loves doing what he's doing. And then he's just, mm. but he's just not as annoying. Yeah, I know people really wanted like Gary Thorne to come back when ESPN got the thing, but I, I'll, t- I'll take Pang. Pang is enough of a connection to the yeah. '90s, yeah, to enjoy it, and I like it. I hope they bring him back because I do. Holy jumping! Yeah, <laughs> where does that even come from? I, I it doesn't make any sense at all, yeah. but, but I like it. Um, the other thing too, so um, you know, uh, yeah, so those are the games. I mean, there's not much we can really say. The Islanders really should try and win at least two of them. Uh, and if they do, I think they'll be in good shape, uh, you know, into their little break and they can, uh, you know, get some practice time in, which would be nice. Cause honestly, when you take a road trip, sometimes you don't get a lot of practice time, uh, but uh, they, they're going to get some because they're going to come back to the Island, which is nice. Um, a couple of things going on sort of off the ice uh, this week. Uh, our friend Arthur Staple announced on Tuesday uh, that he's going to be moving to a different position at the Athletic. He's going to be a, basically columnist covering both the Islanders and Rangers. Rick Carpinello will be leaving the beat, and they're going to bring in somebody else. Uh, I'm kind of assuming that that person is going to cover both the Islanders and Rangers together. Uh, so we both, everybody gets kind of you know one reporter and then one columnist. Uh, Art is still going to be there, still writing about the Islanders. He wrote about each team <laughs> so far this week. Um, and his first story about the Rangers really kind of blew a lot of people's minds. So Vitaly Kravtsov was a first-round pick. Hasn't quite cracked the lineup. The Rangers are this world-beating, fantastic team that he can't crack the lineup for, I guess. I don't know. And, uh, well, he did, like a lot of people, when they are told that they need to do this, did not want to go to Hartford. If you've been to Hartford, you know what it's like. 
It's not exactly the most metropolitan city in the world. And uh, Kravtsov didn't want to be there. And he's asked for a trade. Apparently, he and Drury are like oil and water. They've been arguing and there's been words exchanged in a couple of different times over the course of the last couple of years. And so uh, it's, you know, this high first round pick wanting a trade is obviously not a good sign, but it has led to Rangers fans questioning Chris Drury even more than they did over the summer when he got, you know, signed Barkley Goodrow. They traded for Ryan Reeves. Now, a lot of Rangers fans are very much questioning the direction of this franchise uh, under this guy. And uh, I'll tell you guys what I told Art, which is that uh, I will, I promise to actually read some of his Rangers stuff, but only the bad stuff. That's the only thing I want to read. I don't want to read any of the good news stuff. I want to read only the bad stuff. And I got to tell you, this first story did not disappoint. <laughs> so if you're, if you're like, oh man, Staples got to cover the Rangers, trust me, you're going to want to read the bad stuff. And you're going to want to search out this Kravtsov story because there's a lot of bad stuff in there. And it, and it's fun. It's fun to watch them kind of fall apart a little bit this early in the season. Yeah, it's a great distraction for them to deal yes. with, um, especially because uh, in the middle of the Islanders season ruining, panic-inducing two-game losing streak, the Rangers beat the Maple Leafs in a game that Igor Shesterkin played amazing in. And I was like, this is great. Like, this guy's yeah, made a ru- save. 10 feet in front of the net. <laughs> Gonna ruin my life. Yeah. <laughs> Making just yeah, absurd, absurd stuff. Um, and yeah, to have that come hit the hit the presses the next day uh was really just great timing, very calming, made me feel pretty good about just just the world in general. Um yeah, I think it's hilarious that uh Chris Drury well, first of all, John Bucci Gross, like even before the only the only hockey player that the NHL I mean ESPN ever talked about mm. uh during when it didn't have the NHL was Chris Drury because of something with John <laughs> Bucigross like him, him were like great friends it was like he was his agent or something and he's he's uh almost like in like the Kachuk family kind of way yeah. uh, but with American media like they love him he's won the Little League World Series isn't that adorable um full disclosure my college roommate's sister is married to chris jury so hopefully oh, wow. he's not listening yeah um but uh <laughs> yeah it, it, it was it's great just to see that this move that, that was so obviously dolan constructed uh is probably not or it doesn't seem like it's off and running uh right now and there he's that jury's already in the thick of a uh kind of like a pr battle in right uh New York city sports, which is never good. And obviously it's hockey. So nobody's going to talk about it, but uh, when, if it does blow up a little bit or they start to struggle, it, it's, it's going to look bad for him pretty quickly. And this craft stuff thing. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better start to, to Art Staples new, new, new beat because uh, mm. that was perfect. And the more, the more of that, the better. Uh, and hopefully it just keeps coming. And, and that, that whole situation <laughs> unravels my, my, uh, my hope, my conspiracy theory here is that uh, Drury was the one who uh, was in cahoots with the KGB or whoever was after Panarin last year. Maybe and that's my hope, at least, is it that, that he, he's he's somehow trying to get Panarin out of town because they don't like each other? Because that would really be great if if he's gone. And obviously, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just it just it it was fun to watch um, the. Uh, I, I, I'm going to call it the secondary market of content because, you know, con- people always just make content out of content. Like, so Arthur's piece hit the athletic and the next thing you know, like three Rangers blogs are like, yes. what are we going to do about Chris Drury? It was just really fun to watch that whole thing unravel and be like, oh, this is, 
this is just the beginning. So it's it's kind of like the NFL email saga. Like I just want more and more <laughs> more things to keep happening, more things to keep going wrong for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, also at the at the Athletic, as we alluded to before, Sarah Sivian is now writing like a sort of fashion roundup of NHL players. Again, don't expect to see any Islanders on there. They're too boring. She covers the Hurricanes. She probably already hates them. There's going to be too many guys wearing ties and socks and with short hair. So they're not going to be like, you know, on the high end of the fashion scale. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, it's nice that the athletic covers something other than the Leafs uh, for a second. So <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Um, the, oh, but oh, and the, that was the other big thing, too, was like, so the Leafs, the Leafs didn't have enough money to call up Michael Hutchinson to back up. Uh, Jack Campbell in gold on Saturday. <laughs> and of course, this is like a national emergency, you know? And so you've got guys saying like, actually, this is a good thing that this happened. You've got <laughs> Carlo Kaliakovo who, who talks, who talks uh, yeah, literally for Sportsnet complaining about the, they got to get rid of the cap. This is ridiculous. So yeah, it's the cap's fault that this team has four guys making $60 million and not enough money under the cap to call up the back. It's definitely the cap's fault, right? That this happened. You know, this guy, Alex Bishop, he was like the University of Toronto goalie. He's practiced with them. It's such a great story. He didn't actually play in the game, so he didn't get like this sort of David Ayers uh, moment there. But uh, it was just like a raging fire of why is this happening? (laughs) Who cares? Like, you know, we're people laughing at the Leafs. People are laughing at the league. Alan Walsh is chiming in about (laughs) it was a complete mess for a guy that literally sat on a bench with a baseball cap on with the Leafs jersey on. Uh, and then they called up Hutchinson the next day anyway. So, yeah. But my, my favorite part of the whole saga is that the, the Leafs were rated on uh, the athletics model as the second best goaltending tandem in the yeah. league, despite the fact that the two goalies and, and yeah, Jack Campbell was very good last year and he's had a good start this year, but him and Mrazek, I think combined to play like 30 games last year. Yeah. Mrazek played like 11 yeah. Uh, and wouldn't you know, you know, he gets hurt right away because he's a goalie that not only has he been inconsistent at times, but he's also injury prone. And right. guess what? So is Jack Campbell. And I don't really think you're taking into account that that is very important. Uh, mm. You know, you can have as many good goalies as you want, but if they don't play, uh, then Michael Hutchinson or the, the yeah, the, some guy who is just in biology 101 is going <laughs> to be playing. So it's like, it's just, it, and, and like, like the, 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 secondary content cycle or whatever it is uh was hilarious as well like yeah like you said some people saying that this was like brave like the, the yeah. way the leaves take chances like this it's like a new way to do it oh come on like if if if, if this is the islanders like during the gar snow era like it would he it, it would be a yeah. mocked on some some sort of espn or yahoo blog or whatever how has the nhl not taken control of the islanders to <laughs> not let these sorts of things happen what an embarrassment that franchise is they don't have you know, whatever it is, hundred thousand, seven hundred and fifty grand to call up a goal. Not even. I don't know what, what his number is, but yeah, no. For anybody else, again, this is a huge scandal. For the Leafs, it's a way for us to laugh, but then it's like, no, actually, it's good. Again, you don't have the space because you have four guys making sixty million dollars. Like, it's not rocket science. <laughs> don't do that. And you, you know, you wouldn't have these kinds of problems. Oh, and by the way, Morgan Riley's a UFA at the end of the season too. So good luck with that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, I think that's about it. A um, couple of things I just wanted to uh, to mention real quick. Um, I, I tweeted this out before. I posted a thing about it at Lighthouse Hockey. Also, uh, the second season of uh, Islanders Award Winners, the podcast, is in production. It's 
new episodes are going to come out next year. Uh, there's a little snippet there of our first episode, which will be about Brian Trottier's rookie season where he won the Calder Trophy. Um, you know, the guy went on to win so many awards that we kind of forget about, or maybe in a lot of cases didn't even know about how mind boggling his rookie season was. He scored 95 points. Nobody had ever really done that before. He blew the, the previous record before that was Marcel Dion 77. So he blew that out of the water. He broke all kinds of records uh, and yet had a lot of adversity too. And and you can find out why when the full episode uh, airs releases some sometime next year. So check that out if you haven't already. Uh, I, I really enjoy doing it and the hiatus has been too long. So I hope people enjoy it. Second thing is, uh, it was on ESPN2 last night. It's on ESPN Plus now. As we said, if you have the bundle, you pay for it. You get all these documentaries and 30 for 30 things too. It's an episode of the E60 program called A Love Story, and it tells the story of Brianna LaFontaine and her fiance, Randell McCoy. Uh, they both came from very different worlds, and their relationship was rocked with a tragedy. Uh, Brianna is obviously the daughter of Pat LaFontaine, um, but that is just a very, very small aspect of the story. And, and I feel like, you know, it, it, I almost feel bad like saying, oh, it's, it's, you know, got an Islanders connection because this is really, this transcends Islanders hockey, whatever. Like this is a, a really, really heart wrenching and affecting story about two people that fell in love and, and have to overcome this, this terrible thing. I don't want to give too much away, but if you get a chance to check it out on ESPN two or on ESPN plus, definitely it's called E60 and it's called a love story. Uh, the other story in that episode is about Elvis Merzlikens, who you mentioned before, and his one-time goalie partner, Matisse Kivlenix, who passed away this summer after uh, a fireworks mishap in uh, at a, their house of their goalie coach, Manny Legacy in Michigan. Elvis, he and Kivlenix were tighter than friends. They were like brothers, and this his death really affected him and his wife and the Blue Jackets as, as a whole. And so uh, you should definitely check it out, and you'll be rooting for Elvis uh, after that, for sure, if you weren't already, because he's, his name is Elvis Merzlikens and he seems like a cool dude. But uh, it, it's, you know, if you heard the story about the story. Maybe you didn't follow up on it. You should definitely check it out. So that's E60 on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and finally, I know you've all heard about this before. Uh, Mike Bossy has taken leave of absence from his job at TVA Sports in Montreal in order to receive treatment for lung cancer. It goes without saying that we're all wishing nothing but the best for bossy and hopefully for the speediest recovery possible, hoping that he beats this. He didn't really give a whole lot of details, but uh, you know, he wants to take care of this in private, which is obviously what he should have. If that's what he wants uh, 100%, but lots of people are rooting for him, including all of us. And, and we hope to see him uh, as healthy as he can be at UBS arena at some point, watching the Islanders in their new home. And uh, good luck to Mike bossy in, in beating lung cancer. Cause uh that was a hard one. It was a hard one to write. And I've just been judging by the comments. It's a hard one for people to read. So a lot of us are, are pulling for him to, to you know, beat this. Yeah. Here, here. I was uh, watching the the Red Wings Blue Jackets game on ESPN Plus and Mickey Redmond, who's just a joy to listen to. He uh, really is. It's like he's, he's like their butch. Basically. Yeah. He calls a game. He calls a game. And, like he's just sitting on the couch talking to his grandkid. Uh, and it's great. But he, he hearing him and uh, whoever's the play-by-play, I can't remember his name. They were talking about the bossy news. And it, it's just so funny to hear other people uh, in other kind of parts of the hockey world talk about that dynasty. Because obviously I wasn't around for it or whatever. And like just the the way that they were looked at and like looked up at is uh, – they, they talk for like five minutes. Like just about the 
the resume of, of not just Bossy, but that whole team. So, yeah, yeah definitely rooting, rooting for him to beat it. Yeah, Ferraro yeah. talked about it. Mark Messier and the intermissions talked about it. And, yeah, I mean, Bossy at this point, I mean, I don't need to tell anybody here, but, like, he has, like, achieved – sort of mythical status at yeah. this point, you know, his, his, his exploits. If you, you told somebody that he scored a thousand goals in a season, they'd probably believe it, you know, but it's just a, uh, a one of a kind. So yeah, all the, all the best to him and uh, hope and his family and uh, we're hoping he, he pulls through. Uh, okay. Wow. This is a, this was a long one and a, and a heavy one. Uh, and it's just the first week of the season. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> we should wrap it up, I guess pretty quickly. Uh, read lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read his work at the Action Network. Uh, what podcast are you going to be on uh, anytime we, we soon? We actually launched a, a soccer betting podcast. Uh, yeah, it's an oh, interesting story, actually. Like, we, before the Euros, uh, I, you know, I was telling our boss, like, we should do some, we should do a podcast uh, on the, our main Action Network podcast feed for the Euros. It's a big deal. Um, he, he comes from ESPN, not a huge soccer guy. didn't really think it was going to be <laughs> do well or whatever, but there was nothing else really going on. So he said, yeah. And it just did well, like audience wise. And, mm. and so we, he, we got a green light to do a premier league preview and a champions league preview and they all did well. And, uh, we were bought by a Danish company a, a few, few, um, months ago and they obviously love soccer. Uh, so they were, they, they made it like kind of a priority to, to launch a soccer betting <laughs> podcast. So here I am hosting a uh, yeah, soccer betting podcast called one. It's called wonder goal. It's uh, Mondays and Thursdays. Mm. And we're actually running a, a contest uh, right now for similar to our e- Isles eBay contest, which we'll bring back for November. By the way. I'm happy to do that. Uh, oh. But we're, if you go to wonder goal and you leave a rating and a review and your Twitter handle, uh, you automatically get entered to win a soccer Jersey of your choice from this year. Yeah. We'll, oh. we'll pick uh, one randomly to, or to, to give away. So yeah. Yep. A little shilling. That's cool. Yeah. Football fans. Yeah. It works, you know, <laughs> if you get you some, it's, some reviews, it works. Like and you ended can up in the spot kind of out of nowhere. And um, now it's like, you know, there's a little bit of pressure for it to do well and it's doing well. It, you know, it was on the charts somehow yesterday. And then, uh, so yeah, the more support, the better. That's cool. I, I will give you a single piece of advice. Uh, you might want to, or you, or have somebody look up where somebody can buy Richmond yeah, exactly. FC yeah. jerseys, uh, because you're going to get, you know, if you're running all these things, you're going to get a lot yeah. of requests and I'm telling you right now, somebody's right. going to ask for one and that's it for us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, again, the Islanders have a few days off, so we'll find some time and, uh, hopefully, uh, we could get some more performances like that third period in Chicago. All right. Thanks for listening. And, uh, we will talk to you then. All right. Bye-bye.